Okay. So, like I said, we're starting a new conversation on the wisdom of God, and we're just calling this the wisdom series. Um, I I foresee it, you know, lasting for a while, for a good while. Uh, but with what we aim to do, or what the Holy Ghost has dropped in my heart for this, you know, Bible study and for this particular series is to address specific areas of our lives, and then let's talk about it. Let's open the scriptures and see what the Bible says about those matters. Um, so things around finances, things around relationships, um, around our health and hygiene and all of that. So we're going to look at, I mean, the next several weeks, look at what the Bible says on these issues. All right. Um, and I believe it's very timely because um, we we are in a, in a new season. Um, if, you, if you have been discerning, you will know that we're in a new season. And it takes the wisdom of God to maximize a season because when every season comes, there are, there, are, there are certain dynamics that come with the season. And if you are not furnished with the wisdom of God to guide your actions in that season, then you would miss out on what the season um, has in store for you. So we are looking at the wisdom of God because we want to um, harness everything that this season has in store for us everything that God has um, placed in this season, in this season for us, and also for our lives moving forward. Okay, so to begin with today, I I just want to lay a foundation for um for this series, and that's what I'll be doing today. Just laying a foundation on wisdom, and then from next week, by God's grace, we would dive into um the specific area that we we will start with next week. Okay, but I want to lay a foundation for us on the wisdom of God, on the wisdom of God. All right, so thanks, Michela. I see you, um, you've confirmed that you can hear me. Thank you. Okay, on the wisdom of God, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5 to 8. Let us start with that. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5 to verse 8. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5 to verse 8. I read, it says, get wisdom. It's almost like, you know, think, if I know, let me go to verse 1 so you understand the gravity of the instruction that is being passed across here. From, from verse 1, uh, Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1 says, Hear ye children, the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. So this instruction was given by a father. And the idea of a father is someone who has gone through life, someone who has experienced life and is aware of the dynamics of life. And it is this experience and knowledge that, that this man or this father is speaking from. Okay. And he says, hear the instruction of a father, attend to no understanding, for I give you good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law, for I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. And yet, you know, the writer here, Solomon, was trying to give us a, the context of his upbringing. He says, I was my father's son. You know, that statement, the statement is almost like when you say, or uh, when someone says, or mother did in Yoruba, right? And meaning, my father's son, that's someone who was who is preferred of his father. And why this is important is because he wants to show you the 
intimacy he had with his father and the, the result of that intimacy was the instruction that he's now relaying to us. So he says, I was, I'm son of my father, the only begot beloved in the sight of my mother. Verse four, he taught me also and said to me, let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and leave. Now verse five says, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Verse six says, forsake her not and she shall preserve thee. Love her and she shall keep thee. Verse 7 is my emphasis for wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. So wisdom is the principal thing, meaning the thing of utmost priority, the thing of utmost importance is wisdom. And the Bible says as an instruction he says, get wisdom. It's almost like, you know, when you enter university, for instance, um, in 100 level, there are so many things you can do. There are so many activities you can do. You can be in the basketball team. You can join the literacy club. You can join the um, radio station. There are so many things you can do. But those things are not the reason why you're in, in the university. The first and first reason why you're in university is to learn. So learning is the principal thing. You can make friends, you can have social hangouts, you can have um, maybe parties, go for basketball games and all of that. But that is not the reason why you're in the university. So the principal thing is to learn. And that's what Solomon here is teaching us. He says the principal thing is wisdom. And therefore, if you get every other thing, but you don't get wisdom, that means you've actually lost. So wisdom is the principal thing. Then he says, get it. Get it. And in all that getting, get understanding. So the same way someone can get a car, get a house, get a new job, um, um, get a new television in their, in their apartment. The Bible says in all of this you're getting, make sure you get understanding. That means, again, if you have everything and don't have wisdom and understanding, then you have lost everything entirely. So in all that getting, get wisdom. In all that getting, get understanding. All right? Now, that is first scripture just to establish um, what we are looking at today. In all that getting, get um, wisdom. The Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is the principal thing. Not your strength, not how much effort you can exert. You know what? Not even money. It says wisdom is the principal thing because someone who has a lot of money but doesn't have wisdom will end up being no different from the person who does not have money. Um, it is not your connection. Someone who has all the connections in the world but doesn't have wisdom would not be any different from the person who doesn't have it. Wisdom is what makes the difference in all the things that we have, all the things that we get. And so the Bible is saying that you must get wisdom. In all you're getting, <clears throat> you must get wisdom. All right? Okay, so let's go to another verse. Now, um, having established that wisdom is the principal thing, I want to go us to go to the New Testament and see what wisdom represents to us. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and just talking about the wisdom of God and how, um, how God, by his wisdom, you know, created the world and all of that. But I want us to look at something in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 
Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22 to 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22 to verse 24. All right. It says, for the Jews require a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. Um, let me pause here to explain what Apostle Paul was saying. Now, the Jews, like Apostle Paul says, the Jews require a sign. If you recall, <clears throat> when Jesus Christ was on earth, one of the major things the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the rulers or religious rulers, one of the major things they asked Jesus was, show us a sign. They said, and by what authority are you doing all these things you are doing? And they, at one point, they came and asked Jesus and said, Jesus, show us a sign that you are the Messiah. Show us a sign that you're the one that you claim you claim to be. Meaning they were asking for a sign. And it is something that is wired in the DNA of the Jews to ask for a sign. You know, and why? what is the origin of, of this, you know, DNA? Because when God, first of all, when God met um, Abraham, it was it was a miraculous thing. It was with a sign. Leave your father's house, go to a land. I'll show you. And the, his encounters were encounters that came with signs and wonders. Now, fast forward to when Moses came back to to Egypt to deliver the Israelites from the land of Egypt. The Bible says that when when God said to, when God sent Moses, um, what he God gave Moses a sign. First sign was throw the rod in your hand on the floor and that rod became a snake, all right? And then he picked it up again and the snake turned back into a rod. Secondly, God asked Moses to put his hand in, into his cloak. When he brought his hand out, his hand was leprous. But when he took it back and brought it in again, he was healed. So God's encounter with Moses was an encounter um, with signs and wonders. And when Moses went to meet the Israelites, he had to demonstrate these signs and wonders for the Israelites to believe him. So the Israelites had the history or the Jews had a history of signs and wonders. And so when Jesus Christ came, they demanded a sign. And that's what Paul was saying in verse 22, that the Jews require a sign. Every time that you want, you want to convince a Jew, you need to come with signs and wonders. You can't just come and, and, and talk to a Jew and they'll be convinced. You must demonstrate signs and wonders to them. All right. And that is that power component. The Jews were accustomed to the demonstration of the power of God. Now, it, it goes on to say that the Greeks, however, they seek after wisdom. So the Jews demand sign, signs, something that, they, that would wow them. But the Jews are, sorry, the Greeks rather, are, are intellectually stimulated. So the Greeks will require wisdom. And if you, if you have read or studied Jewish sorry, Greek history, you'll see that there's a lot of um, philosophy in their, in their history. In fact, when you talk of so Socrates and the likes, there's a lot of, um, a lot of search for wisdom, a lot of, uh, a lot of debates, trying to look for which, whose, what is the new, what is the freshest ideas. In fact, it, um, history has it that the Greeks were very, very thrilled by a new idea, not whether the idea was right or wrong, they didn't really bother, but as long as it's a new idea, a new concept. So imagine if I come, for instance, among the Greeks and say, you know what? Gravity is not gravity, actually. Gravity is an inverse pull 
from the sun is just inverted. And I'm able to back up my, my claims with, with ideas and thoughts. They'll be so thrilled with what I'm saying and they'll be so intrigued to listen to me. And that is how the Greeks are wired, right? The Greeks are wired to, to be to just love knowledge for the sake of knowledge. Whether their lives are transformed by it or not, they really don't care as much. But the fact that it is new knowledge, it is new information, they are thrilled by it. And that's why you see um, in the book of Acts, when Paul went into, um, into Greek territory, he had to spend a lot of time debating with them, debating with them, arguing and, and you know, laying a logical precedence to the, to the gospel that he was preaching. Paul had to do that in the Greek territory, all right? Because the Greeks seek wisdom. That's what the Greeks um, um, are thrilled by. That's what excites them. You can't just come to them and if you show them a sign, they wouldn't really be moved. But when you come and explain something that, that they've never heard before, they'll get excited and listen to you. So, the, But the Jews, on the other hand, are moved by signs and wonders, meaning the Jews are moved by power, right? While the Greeks were moved by wisdom, Okay. Now, let's continue our reading. We're reading 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. Um, I start reading again. It says, For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek, seek after wisdom. Now, verse 23 says, But we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks it is foolishness. Meaning Paul was saying that, while, while the, the Jews are seeking for wisdom, uh, rather Jews are seeking for a sign and the Greeks are seeking for wisdom, we are preaching Christ crucified. It is foolishness to the um, it is foolishness to the Greeks, but and it's also a stumbling stumbling block to the Jews. Now, why is there a stumbling block to the Jews? Because in all the experiences of miracles and all of that that the Jews have witnessed. They have not quite witnessed that a man died and without any external effort, by his own self, he resurrected from the grave. They have witnessed that, oh, yeah, the prophet prayed for someone and the person, you know, came back to life or any other miracle of, you know, people resurrecting from the dead. But they have not witnessed a man who, without any external impute, rose from the dead. It is something that they have not been able to fathom. So it is a stumbling block to the Jews. Now, on the other hand, it is foolishness to the Greek because how will you say that a man who you claim is God, who came down from heaven and, and taught all these wise things, you claim that that man in all his power and all his wisdom was defeated, was killed. It doesn't make sense to them. How will you kill somebody that you hold? How can, can the creation kill its creator? That's wisdom they could not just understand. It didn't make sense to them. And so the Bible says it is foolishness to them, all right? Um, so verse 24 says, But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greek, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Let me add verse 25 before I come back to 24. It says, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Now, my emphasis is really verse 24. He says, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So whereas the Jews and the Greek are struggling to understand the, the gospel of Christ, but Paul says for us, Christ is both the power of God and the wisdom of God. Remember 
the Jews seek after power, they seek after science, right? Which is power based, while the Greeks seek after knowledge, which is wisdom based. But the Bible says for us, Christ is both the power and the wisdom of God. Now, I want to make a little detour and talk about these two things, power and wisdom, before we, or rather, as we proceed today. I just want to make a little detour and talk about it because you will not appreciate Christ being the power and the wisdom of God if we don't understand the implication of those two dimensions. Now, what this means for us is that, broadly speaking, there are two ways God answers our prayers, either by supplying his power or by supplying his wisdom. And that's why the Bible says Christ is for us the power and the wisdom of God, all right? So there are two ways, broadly speaking, now that God will answer our prayers. So if you come to God today, for instance, and you say, God, I need this or I need that, there are two ways God will answer you. It's either he answers you by releasing his power, or he answers you by releasing his wisdom, or by releasing both, all right? So for, for good um, numbering, let's call them three ways. Meaning, number one is by releasing his power. Number two, by releasing his wisdom. Number three is by releasing both of them. So there are situations in your life that require the power of God in manifestation. For instance, if you need a healing, if someone is sick or if you're sick and you need healing in your body, that is a release of God's power that you need. At that moment, I mean, if you go to pray for someone who is, who is sick in the hospital, at that instance, because the person is already sick, what the person needs is the power of God, right, to flow in their body, to and, and that will result in healing. However, there are also other situations where it is the wisdom of God that is required, not the power of God. So again, for instance, let me, let me just use health since I, I've mentioned that. Um, somebody comes and says, I want to live long and I want my body to be healthy, even in my old age. What the person needs, now the person is not sick, right? What the person needs is the wisdom of God for, for sound health. Whereas the person that is sick already in the hospital or in their room, they need the power of God to drive away the sickness and revitalize their body. But somebody who says, I want to live a life without sickness at all, what the person needs is the wisdom of God. So the wisdom of God will teach you and say, you know what? Um, cut down on your sugar level, drink a lot of water, take a lot of fruits and vegetables. The wisdom of God will teach you exercise. Don't just be, be um, um, stationary. Take a walk, walk around your house, walk around, maybe go to the gym, do some exercise. The wisdom of God will teach you that don't hold bitterness in your heart. It will affect your physical health. The wisdom of God will begin to teach you things to do that will guarantee your long life. However, there's, there are issues where the power of God, only the power of God can manifest. If somebody is dead, it is the power of God that will raise that person back to life. It is the power that is needed at that point. Okay? Now, there are other situations where you need both the power and the wisdom of God in operation. So take, for instance, you, um, you start a business, okay? Your business is, is struggling, is struggling, and you go to God in prayer and fasting, you pray intensely about your business. And as a result of your, your, your prayer, the power of God is released into your business. And what happens is you begin to get contracts, you begin to get um, clients that you never used to have before. That open door came because of a release of God's power. Now, when 
those doors are open and those clients begin to come in. If you don't have the wisdom of God to, to relate with people, you will lose the door and the opportunities that the power of God has released to you. So the wisdom of God will now teach you that when people come, you need to treat them in this way. You don't treat every client the same. When you see clients of this nature, this is how you should treat, how you should relate with them. Not, not to mean you are impartial, no, but you need to know how to adapt to the context of the client. If someone is, if you, for instance, you have a private um, private business as a client, there's a way you relate with that private business. If you have a, if you have a, a, a government parastatal as a client, it's a different way you relate with the government parastatal, right, than, than how you relate with the um, private institution. The wisdom of God will teach you how to handle what the power of God has released into your life, all right? So I wanted to highlight those two, dimen <clears throat> two dimensions. And if you look at your life right now, whatever you're praying, praying to God for, it can be answered either by the power of God or by the wisdom of God, all right? The power of God can move somebody to give you some money, all right? The power of God can move somebody to favor you, but it will take the wisdom of God to maintain that relationship, all right? So when we pray, we should be conscious of it that this prayer I'm praying, how is my and the answer supposed to come? Or how is am I how am I expecting an answer? Am I expecting answer in terms of power, or am I expecting answer in terms of wisdom coming coming to me, or am I expecting answer um, in terms of both of them being released into my life? So Jesus Christ has become for us both the power and the wisdom of God. So I wanted to just highlight some things here um, concerning the power and wisdom of God. And, and let me just say to begin with that. A lot of times, Christians, because we are, we are, we, as human beings, we like spectacular things. That desire um, is in us to see spectacular things, things outside the norm. For instance, if you go out and you see rain uh, or you see bread falling from heaven, right, like the children of Israel, you'll really be fascinated by it. And we have the tendency to incline towards miraculous things, which is not bad. But I want to show you something today that, you know, when we talk about a miracle, for a miracle to occur, the condition for a miracle to occur is that there must be a problem. For instance, if you come and tell me, oh, Victor, please, please, please pray for me. I need a miracle. Already that tells me that you're in a problem. Maybe you see you need a financial miracle. What that tells me is your, maybe your, your bank account is zero, or if, um, you come and say, Victor, I need a miracle. They are about to, to sack me in my, in my job. That suggests to me that there's already a problem. So the condition for a miracle is that a problem must be in existence, all right? However, and, and, and before I move on, when we, want, when, we, when we desire a miracle, what we are actually saying is that we want the power of God to move on our behalf, right? So that's what a miracle means. A miracle is a, is a demand for the power of God. But God doesn't expect us to live from one miracle to another. Because what I would suggest is that we're moving from one problem to another. What God actually wants us to do, his ideal, um, his ideal desire for us, is to live under the blessing. All right? To live under the blessing of God. The blessing means that we don't have any problem. The, the system 
already caters for whatever problem we would have had, such that the problem doesn't even exist. And a good example of living under the blessing is Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Before Adam and Eve were created, um, everything they needed was already provided in the garden. And so when they were created, they came into provision, so that when Adam needed food, he didn't need to pray for food. He just went to take food, all right? And that is what the blessing means. When you live under the blessing, there's a system that caters for your need such that the problem does not arise. Now, to live under the blessing, you need to walk in wisdom. That's what I'm saying. So the power, right? Power attends to miracle or power sponsors miracles, but wisdom sponsors living under the blessing. And like I said, it is God's desire for us to live under the blessing, not for us to live from one miracle to another miracle to another miracle. You know, have you ever been, been have you ever met someone or maybe been in the midst of somebody who every month they, they need money, they need a financial miracle every month. You ask yourself, are you not working? Yes, the person is working. But how come every month they need a financial miracle? It's because they have not known how to apply the wisdom of God for their lives. Or someone who falls ill, in season in seasons now there's a there's a part where they might be under the hegemonic um, oppression but for some other people they are careless with their health all right and you see you see someone maybe in a cycle of always trying to lose weight um they lost weight they've gained it again they've lost weight they've gained it again and you're wondering is every time you are trying to lose why not maintain what you already have because they have not learned the wisdom for that, for their lifestyle, or for, for healthy living, okay? So God's desire is for us to live under the blessing. And to live under the blessing, we need to learn how to walk in wisdom. But again, like I said, people, because we are we are, we are human beings and we're wired to, um, to be thrilled by spectacular things, we always gravitate towards the miraculous. We always want a miracle, we always want a miracle. Okay, want something, something spontaneous, something that will just move, move it quickly. And to be honest, many times it is because of our laziness. It's because to live under the blessing requires responsibility on your part. To, for you to walk in wisdom requires effort and responsibility on your part. But for you to receive a miracle, I mean, you just need to go and look for someone that's anointed and let them pray for you and pam, it happens. But you cannot sustain your life on miracles. You can only sustain your life on the blessing which is sponsored by the wisdom of God. Okay? So we can't move, keep moving from one problem to another and then looking for, for one miracle to another. No. We must find out God's method of sustaining us such that we will not be in any need for a miracle anymore. It is a great thing to hear that somebody was healed by the power of God. That is fantastic. But it is a greater thing to hear that somebody did not even fall ill at all because of the wisdom of God that he or she is operating by. It's a great thing to hear that, oh, somebody, I was, my house rent, I, 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 my house rent was due in two weeks and I did not have the money and God miraculously provided for me. That is a testimony, fantastic. But it is a greater thing to hear that for the past five years, I have never had to worry about house, house rent. Before my house rent is due, I'm able to pay for it. That is a greater testimony than, than you be praying and say, oh, my rent was, was due three months ago. My landlord was already kicking me out, but then God sent an angel and they, this person just miraculously gave me all my house rent. We thank God for you, but God's real desire is that you should not even be in a situation where you are praying for house rent. There's a system of wisdom that caters for that already. Okay? 
All right, so I wrote some few things down um, as regards this. I just want us to look at it quickly. Um, the one I said that I've mentioned this already, there are problems that are solved by power and there are problems that are solved by wisdom, okay? And please, if you're, if you, if what you need is wisdom, don't be praying for power, pray for wisdom. Ask God for the wisdom to do it. If you are running a, a business, for instance, and you notice that your clients never come back, your clients, once they come to you once, they never come back and your, your services or your, your business is such a, is, is designed in such a way that you should have recurring, um, recurring customers or recurring clients. What you need to pray for is wisdom, not power now. It's not power to bring in new clients. It's wisdom to retain the clients that the power brings in, okay? So there are problems that are solved by wisdom and then there are problems that are solved by power. Then I said here that miracles are a display of God's power, like I mentioned earlier, but experiencing the blessing requires walking in wisdom. And let me give a very classical example from scripture concerning these um, miracles and living in the blessing. You know, the Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years. And for those 40 years, God provided for their feeding by a miracle. And what was the miracle? Every morning, you know, they had manna come from above and they didn't need to walk. It was a miraculous act. And this is why people like miracles because there's no effort required on their parts. They just wake up in the morning, they see, you know, the flakes on the, on the ground and they just go pick it and eat. The next morning, they don't need to think about saving or storing. They don't think about sowing or reaping. They just wake up, they see food, they eat. Even when they complain that they wanted, um, wanted to eat meat, what God did was just blew in birds from the direction of the sea, blew in birds towards where they were. They didn't need to set traps for the birds. They didn't set nets for the birds. They just came out and they saw birds on the floor and they ate it. No effort required on their parts. However, when they got into the land of Canaan, their promised land, the Bible says the moment they got into the land of Canaan, their pro um, the, the miracle that they were experiencing ceased completely. And this was a new season, a new dispensation, a new era. What this means was that the Israelites had to learn how to live in the blessing. And the blessing, if you read what God said to them in Deuteronomy, the blessing is that I will bless um, um, your bread and, and, and water. I, when you sow, you will reap. I will bless your fields. You reap a hundredfold. You reap abundantly. That is the blessing. The blessing is not that when you come outside, you see manna from above. That was a temporary um, fixed for their current situation. But once they entered into the promised land, they needed to learn how to operate under the blessing. And then the wisdom of God began to teach them that, you know what, this crop, rain doesn't, first of all, rain doesn't fall all around the year. <clears throat> you need to know how to plant when the rain is falling, and you need to know how to save what you have harvested so that it will last you to the next rainy season. So you see, there's responsibility in working in the blessing. And that's why a lot of people We'll rather live from miracle to miracle because there's no much responsibility living in under the miracle or living from miracle to miracle. But when you want to live under the blessing, there is responsibility on your part, on your part. And this is true also in every area of our lives. If you want to live from, um, let's take finances, for example. You, if someone is living miracle to miracle, all they'll just do is, oh Lord, I, I pray for miracle, pray for miracle, pray for miracle. They'll they'll send message, ah, bros, how far? Uh, you know, the Lord is good, is well with me. Um, um, I'm full in Jesus' name. My bank account is loaded. 
they are, they are asking for money. You see, no responsibility in producing um, wealth in that part. But that's not what the blessing is. The blessing says, I am the Lord your God that teaches you to prosper. That is the blessing. Um, Isaiah says, I will lead you in a path that will prof that you profit. That is the blessing. So when we now, when that person comes, decides to live under the blessing of God, then the wisdom of God begins to direct them and instruct them and says, you know what? You cannot be waking up by 11 a.m. every day and expect money to come to your come on your table. You have to wake up early, wake up by five, by six o'clock so that you can begin to work. Now, the wisdom is placing responsibility on that person. And, person has said, and wisdom now teaches the person and says, you know what? When you receive your salary, after you remove your tithe and offering, save 20%, put it in your savings. Before your salary even comes, draw a budget of what you need. And your budget must not exceed your salary because you are not permitted to take a loan for your daily living. And wisdom begins to teach the person what to do. You see, there's responsibility in it. Now, let me tell you the difference. And, you know, I mentioned that people typically gravitate towards the miraculous. And let me, tell, let me, let me just say again that there are actually people who love living from miracle to miracle because they are lazy. But the truth is that God cannot use those people as a blessing. Because remember, the, the promise to Abraham was, I would bless you and make you a blessing. That's the promise God gave Abraham. Not just that he will be blessed, meaning that he, he will go beyond just having food for himself, but he will also be a blessing, meaning he will be able to provide for other people. The people that God can make a blessing to others are people that have learned to live under the under the blessing by the wisdom of God. So the person that says that decides to be lazy and just keep living from one miracle to another miracle, that person cannot be a blessing to another person. He can only have food just to sustain his belly, but he cannot provide food for another person. But a person that has submitted him, him, his or herself to the discipline of the wisdom of God, that person can be enlarged on all sides such that other people can be blessed through their lives. That is the advantage of living under the blessing. And this is where God wants all of us to be. So that when we submit ourselves to the disciplines of God's wisdom, God can actually use us to a, to, to a limitless extent. Use us as much as he desires because we have submitted, submitted ourselves to the wisdom of God. Okay, so next thing I said here that in miracles, God does most or all of the work, but working in wisdom requires our inputs. And I, I, that's what I just finished explaining, that working in wisdom requires your own responsibility. You cannot work in wisdom and, and, be, and you know, just fold your hands. No, 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 not at all. I said here also that wisdom is God's strategy for us to continue to enjoy the blessing. Wisdom is God's strategy for us to continue to enjoy the blessing. So the blessing that God has made available to us, we will continue to enjoy it by his wisdom. And let me say something that I mentioned earlier that, okay, no, no let's, let's, let's move on. First. I'll come to that later on. So wisdom is God's strategy for us to continue to enjoy the blessing, all right? So the blessing that God has for us, you bless our bread and water, we'll dwell in safety, all of that. We experience it by the wisdom of God in operation in our lives. All right? Okay, so I want to pause here, first of all, 
and let me know if we're together. If you're following me, let me know you are following me. Um, drop, drop a comment and say that I am full of the wisdom of God. Let me see that in the chat and then I know you're following me. Drop a comment saying I am full of the wisdom of God. I am full of the wisdom of God. Let me see your comments so I know we're together. Thank you, um, Allah, your day. I see your comments on Zoom. Thank you very much. I'm full of the wisdom of God. Uh, our people on Mixella, I'm waiting for your comments so I know we are all together in this. I know I've spoken for a bit, but I just want us to, I want to know if we're together. Drop a comment saying, I am full of the wisdom of God. I am full of the wisdom of God. All right. So let's proceed. Um, now, let us read a scripture, Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 12. Just to show us something about the wisdom of God. Um, Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 12. All right, Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 12. It says here that, hmm, it says, he had made the earth by his power. This is talking, talking about God now. He says, he had made the earth by his power. He had established the world by his wisdom and had stretched out the heavens by his discretion. I want to read that slowly again. He says he has made the earth by his power. So when it comes to making of the earth, God exerted his power. It was his power that was in manifestation when he made the earth, right? But then he goes on to say that he has established the world by his wisdom. When he says he has established the world, he's talking about setting the setting in order the operation of the world, how the sun rises and the sun sets, how the rain, rainy season comes and dry season comes, how the, 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 the um, earth revolves, revolves around the orbit and rotates around its axis, how the stars are, are, are in the sky and you know the, the, the sea doesn't exceed its, um, its shore, all of that operation is what he talks about establishing. So establishing talks about setting in motion the operations of the of the of the world. Okay, <clears throat> the systems that govern the world, um the, the sun, the moon, and all of that. The Bible says that God established the world by his wisdom. So even though it was his power that created the elements of the world, all that we see and we interacting with in the world, it, it was his wisdom that established the operations of it. Now, what I want to say, what I'm saying here is that <clears throat> wisdom sustains what power has made available. Let me take that again. Wisdom sustains what power what power has made available. So the power of God um, made this earth, created the world, and put into um, put brought it into existence. But it is the wisdom of God that sets the operations of the world, that sets how things happen in this world. If you go to the sea and you see that the seed isn't going beyond a particular limit, it is the wisdom of God that is ensuring so. If you see how that um, 
the rain comes at a particular time and then stops falling at a particular time, it is the wisdom of God in operation. And what God is showing us by this is that his wisdom is what sustains the operation of what his power has made available. And bringing this home into our lives, and this is why it is super important that we walk in the wisdom of God. There are so many things that the power of God has made available in, in people's lives, but they lost it because they did not have the wisdom to sustain it. So let's say, for instance, um, you are a business owner and you're praying for a breakthrough. You are praying for a break, breakthrough in your business. And then God gives you a breakthrough and he gives you access to a very top um, top business mogul in, this, in, in the country. And because of that, because of the effect of your prayer, that relationship and favor um, opened up onto you. Now, if that person does not have the wisdom of God, they would treat that relationship or treat that person in such a way that they, that door that God, that the power of God has opened, will shut to them. You know, they might just you know speak carelessly or talk anyhow, and you know, especially in these days of social media, they can easily just go and and tweet something, and that person. That that senior business person now sees it and says to himself, I can't, I can't keep this person in my company. He doesn't understand the dynamics of the kind of business we do. And that's how with a tweet, with a post, you have destroyed or you have shut the door that the power of God has opened to you. So it takes the wisdom of God to sustain the operation of what the power of God has made available. Let me take that again. It takes the wisdom of God to sustain the operation of what the power of God has made available. So a good example now, if somebody, for instance, um, was had, had a sick, had an illness, let's say um, the person was obese, for instance, and the person had obesity and the, and the obesity started affecting the person's um, heart and, and all of that, and the person goes, let's say, to a power-packed meeting, and God in his power with the God in his power heals that person and the person miraculously loses weight. And I know there are testimonies like that of people miraculously actually losing weight. Okay. Now this person miraculously loses weight and the health condition gets, returns back to normal. And that is an act of the power of God. Now, if this person does not employ the wisdom of God in, in regulating what he eats, what he drinks, um, his, his exercise and all of that, that healing that the power of God brought will not be sustained because the person hasn't applied the wisdom of God in that um, situation. So the wisdom of God sustains the operation of what the power of God has made available. So let's say the power of God, for instance, brought financial um, um, abundance into your life. Maybe a door was open, or maybe somebody just looked at you and said, you know what, I like you. I just gave you, gave, and the person gave you a million naira. That is a demonstration of the power of God in your life, okay? If you do not have the wisdom to invest, to save, to put that money to, to work, it's just a matter of some months. That one millionaire that the power of God has provided will automatically um, finish because you don't have the wisdom to sustain it. So what I'm saying here is, remember the Bible says, God, Jeremiah, we read Jeremiah chapter, chapter 10, verse 12. Let me read it again. It says, he has made the earth by his power. So God made the earth by his power, but he has established the world by his wisdom. So when it comes to establishing the world, the systems of the world, how this world operates, it is his wisdom that sustains that operation. 
So if you are going to experience a sustained manifestation of God in your life, then you must walk in God's wisdom. You must walk in the wisdom of God to sustain what his power has made available for your life. And this is why the Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. There are people who have who have had tremendous um, experiences because of the power of God, but they could not sustain it because they didn't have the wisdom of God. You know, I was listening to my pastor, um, this was some, some months ago, probably even last year, he was sharing, and he just related a story to us, and, and that story was very instructive. You know that he said while he was a still starting off in ministry back then in, in Ibadan, that there was a woman who's, who the, the power of God was in operation in her ministry. In fact, if everybody in the city knew this woman. I mean, I, I don't know. He didn't mention who she is, so I don't know who she is as well. But as, back then, everybody knew this woman because the power of God was in operation. People would flock into her meeting and all of that. But a time came when people would come to see her for counseling. Of course, because once the power of God is manifestation in your life, people will gravitate towards you, right? And so people will come towards her and in anger and frustration because she's tired, she should tell them, you people should leave me alone. Am I, am I the only one in this world? Why are you coming here? And she'll just blot out at them because they, they came to her and she was overwhelmed with the people coming. Now, the reason why she was overwhelmed was because she had not yet implemented the wisdom of God to handle the crowd that the power of God had brought her way. And after some time, obviously, she nobody heard about her anymore. Her sort of her ministry sort of just went down because even though the power of God was in operation and brought crowds to her, she did not have the wisdom of God to sustain what the power has provided. And please, I want to say this again and again. It will take the wisdom of God to sustain the operation of what the power of God has made available to you. Let's say you were praying for a job, praying for a job, you fasted, and then because of the power you generated in fasting and prayer, a job came to you. God opened the door for you and you got a job. Now, if you don't have the wisdom of God to sustain that job, you can very well lose what the power of God has provided for you. Okay, and this is why it's super important that we look at the wisdom of God. It takes the wisdom of God to sustain the operations of God in our lives. And what we want to do in the for the next um, couple of weeks, and I, I, I foresee that this might take some months for us to cover, but we want to take out, pick out areas in our lives. I mean, we are, we are, although we are spirit, soul, and body, but our primary interactions, you know, are in this fiscal realm. And we want to see what wisdom God has made available that we can distill into the experiences of our lives, you know, so that you won't hear that somebody is anointed, though, but the person is broke. And you're asking why with all this anointing and you know that this person, money comes into the person's hands because, because, because as person dispenses the anointing, people are blessed and they honor this person, let's say with financial gifts and all of that. But this person is still broke and you're wondering what is going on. It is the wisdom of God that is lacking. So let's look at this wisdom that God has made available for us on the earth. Okay. As regards our family, relationships that's dealing with people, um, our careers, our health, um, whatever it is, different areas, we're going to look at, at them and see how the wisdom of God manifests in our lives and practical, very, very practical things um, from the word of God and also from our from contemporary examples, but obviously aligned with the word of God. Now, to conclude, I just want to read 
Um, let me see if I can do this. Okay, I'll, I'll see if I can do this in seven minutes, all right? So I just want to show us the seven pillars of wisdom. I won't go into detail about them. I'll just mention them to us. Uh, but the seven pillars of wisdom. Uh, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1. Thank you, Jesus. Proverbs, <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1. It says, wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her hewn out her seven pillars. Um, the Passion Translation puts it differently. Let me see if I can get that quickly. Um, that is Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1. The Passion Translation says, um, Wisdom has built herself a palace upon seven pillars to keep it secure. So it says, wisdom has built herself a palace upon seven pillars to keep it secure. So the pillars of wisdom are there to keep it secure, to keep your wisdom, um, to keep wisdom secure and to uh, ensure that it's established. So, but what are these seven pillars? Um, let's go to James chapter three, verse 17. I'll just read them. I wouldn't do much explanation on them because um, of our time, but I just want to read them out to us. James chapter three, from verse, sorry, I'm in first John. James chapter three, we'll start reading from verse, from verse 13. James chapter three and from, from verse 13. It says, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. So it says, let him show out of a good, um, the word conversation there means lifestyle or character or the way you live out, okay? Then it says, but if, verse 14, but if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. The wis this wisdom, that's this wisdom that accommodates bitterness, envying and strife. It says, this wisdom descended not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devil, devilish. That means there is a wisdom that is not from above. The wisdom that is not from above is devilish, is earthly, is sensual, meaning it appeals to the senses. It appeals to the human, the fallen human nature, the fleshy um, nature, the sinful man. It appeals to that side. And the Bible calls it sensual, devilish, and it's earthly. Verse 16 says, for where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. So if you want to if you want to see a place where there's every evil work, just look for a place where there's envy and there's strife, there's, there's contention, there's beef. Like we say, there's beef in that place. Everybody's keeping scores. Everybody's trying to outdo the other person. There's strife. They are keeping records of wrongdoing. You did me like this. I marked you. I marked you. You've done me for now. I will show you Pepe. That place, there's envy. There's, um, there's, there's envy and strife and there's every evil work there. Now, verse 14 is my, verse 17, sorry, is my emphasis. But the wisdom that is from above, meaning that there's a wisdom that actually comes from above. And this is the, these are the characteristics of the wisdom that, are, that is from above. And this, these are the pillars of wisdom. It says the wisdom that's from above is first pure. That means there's purity in it. You cannot claim to, to be walking in the wisdom of God and there you, are, you are going through dubious means. That cannot be the wisdom of God. And a biblical example of, of someone who attempted a, a wisdom that was not from God and obviously wasn't pure is David. When David desired Bathsheba, he employed a wisdom that was not from God because he wasn't pure, right? He wanted Bathsheba and he knew that 
Um, first of all, he slept with her when the husband was in the battlefield and David was supposed to be there, but he wasn't. Now he found out that she was pregnant and he said, you know what? Uh, the way I'm going to do this is by killing the man so that I can, I just take the woman as my wife. But he couldn't kill the man directly. So he set up, he created a setup for the man to die. All of that wisdom is not from God because it is not pure. And if anybody comes to present a, a sharp way of doing business, you know what I mean? Like sharp, let's, let's do this and do this and do this. And it doesn't align with the purity of God in your heart. It is clearly not the wisdom of God. God can prosper you without you staining your hand. God can increase you without you soiling your conscience. He can give you clean wealth without you selling your soul to the devil. Then he goes on to say the wisdom of God is, um, first of all, pure. It says, then it is peaceable. That means it does not, it doesn't have to create strife for it to prosper. If you have to, if you have to bring somebody down for you to go up, that is not the wisdom of God. If you have to create commotion in an office so that you can be promoted, it is not the wisdom of God. Next thing he says, it is gen two. That is a, a the, the Greek word connotes a disposition of rest. That means when you're applying the wisdom of God, you are not, you're not hasty. You're not saying, hey, will this thing work? Let me try this, let me try. No, there's, a, there's rest that comes with the wisdom of God. There's the assurance of rest that the wisdom of God supplies. Then next, he says, it is easy to be in, in, entreated. What that means is it is humble and it is submissive. It is teachable. You know, there are people that you cannot tell them what to do. What they know is correct. Whether it is working or not, it is correct. They are, they are, they are, they are their own alpha and omega. That means you cannot suggest something to them. They have to do it their own way. Even if their own way is not working, they will not listen to anybody's advice. And that is not the wisdom of God because the wisdom of God teaches you that God will not always speak to you. He might speak through somebody else and you must sustain the humility to accept that what somebody else says is correct and you are wrong. That is the wisdom of God. The ability to accept that God can speak through somebody else and he doesn't have to speak through you or the answer may come through somebody else and it may not come through you. That is the wisdom of God in manifestation. Next, it says that the wisdom of God is um, is full of mercy and good good fruits. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's full of mercy and good good fruits, right? So the wisdom of God is merciful. Um, then it says it is without partiality, and I think that's self-explanatory. The wisdom of God is just, and this this is a concept that as Christians we must really come to terms with the justice of God. That God is not only loving but He's also just. And when you read Proverbs, you see that many times the Bible says, um, it says things that God abhors or things that God finds offensive. He says an unjust scale, meaning when you when person A comes, you measure it in this way. But when person B comes, you change it and measure it in another way. That's injustice, impart that impartiality. God hates it. And that is not the wisdom of God. And most times people become impartial because of what they tend to gain from impartiality, all right? And then lastly, it says, without hypocrisy, which is sincerity, you don't have to tell a lie to advance. If you have to lie to lie and lie and cover a lie before you make progress, that is not the wisdom of God, okay? So I'm going to leave this for us to study. Just start, look at this, um, this scripture closely and examine what this means in your own life. Let that be our own assignment um, between now and next week, okay? So the assignment is James chapter 3, and verse 17.
those seven things listed out, how, what do you understand by them? How can you apply them in your own life? All right, so we're gonna stop here. And then next week we'll begin to pick specific areas and deal with them and find the wisdom of God that addresses those areas of our lives. Okay, so I want to take questions. I know I've, I've spoken for a bit and I might have spoken fast, but if you do have any question, kindly let me know. Um, if you are on Zoom, you can just speak up. If you are on Mixeller, you can type in your um, question and we will take it. Any question concerning anything we said here uh, on the wisdom of God? <clears throat> If you do not have question or while you are thinking of your question, let me ask you my own question. My question is usually the same. What is one thing that you have learned today or what is something that the Holy Spirit is highlighting in your heart from today's Bible study? What is something that the Holy Ghost is highlighting in your heart from today's um, discussion? What is that thing um, that may bless you that the Holy Ghost you know, is impressing on your heart? Please feel free to type it in. Um, we have more people on Mix LR. Typically, we have more people on Mix LR, and just as and that's the case today. So I'd love to hear from a lot of us on Mix LR. Um, just take a moment to type in something you've learned. Um, and I thanks to everyone who typed in their their response. I am full of the wisdom of God. I see that. God bless you. Now I want you to type in just one thing that you have learned today that the Holy Spirit is impressing in your heart, and you know He's highlighting. Um, on your hearts from today's Bible study. While that is going on, anyone on Zoom, you can speak up something you have learned or something that, you know, blessed your heart from today's discussion. I, I really love to hear from us. Good evening, sir. Hi, Good evening. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you for the teaching. Thank God you're welcome. So this night, I've learned that God can answer me in three ways. Either by reason is power, or by reason is wisdom, or by reason both is power and is wisdom. Mm. Now, after God has released his power, I need God's wisdom to sustain what God has given unto me. Without his wisdom, I will not be able to sustain what is power has been able to obtain for me. Mm. And I equally get to know the fact that being in Christ means I have access to both the power and the wisdom of God. Thank yes. you, sir. Yes, thank you so much, Alaradi. You have pretty much summed to this study. Um, God, res re God responds to our prayers in typically in three ways. The, by power, by releasing power, by releasing wisdom, all by releasing both power and wisdom. Thank you so much for sharing that. God bless you. Um, on Mixeller, someone says, what blessed me today, miracles are good, but the blessing is better. Hallelujah. Fantastic. Miracle is good, but the blessing is better. Amazing. I love that. Um, yes, no, so your hand is up. Please go ahead. Praise the Lord. Yeah, so while you were speaking, I was just thinking in the area of um, this wisdom. So and you were referring to um, 
analyzing the fact that, okay, some people think they are the Alpha and the Omega, and we see this thing a lot, even in the household of God, that hey, until it comes from the head, mm. yeah, it's not solid yet and all. So, and the ministration that came to my heart is um, on the aspect of humility, assessing the wisdom of God through humility mm. as well. So if someone is not humble enough to even know that, okay, this thing can actually come from someone else. Like there are some major decisions I've made. It's not like God told me audibly, but after praying and fasting, nothing, but I, my heart was open. And immediately I had that conversation with someone just brought up some of these things randomly and it was just a click. Mm. And there was that knowing in me that, hey, this is it. This is the answer you've been looking for. So I think that humility is very, very, uh, I mean, uh, just just to support or to, I don't know how to put it, <laughs> the point that you have made, as in, it's just that place of humility that really came to me. And uh, uh, thank you so much for this wonderful teaching. Thank you. Thank you so thank much. You, thank you so much. So, so that is very true. And you know, while, while you're speaking, I just thought about it, how that, even in marriage, you know, there are men who think that the, the answer must come from them or the wisdom for that decision must come from from them and many times god in his humor will intentionally not give you the direction to go but he'll give your wife and so that he will test your heart to see if you are willing enough to recognize god in your wife and submit to the superior wisdom that comes from your wife so like you said the fact that you're in leadership position doesn't always mean um, the the direction or the the best solution will come from you, and I like the way he puts it: accessing wisdom through humility. Thank you very much. Okay, on Mixalar, um, Pastor Victoria says, "My take home: I learned that wisdom sustains what God's power provided. Fantastic! Wisdom sustains what what God's power provided. Thank you so much." Okay, thank you very much, everybody. And I'm, I'm happy we were able to share one or two things that we have learned. Um, I just encourage us to go back and still think about these things. Whatever has, you know, was impressed in your heart, just go back and brood over it and think about it. Let God expand it in your consciousness. Let us say, close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the power of your spirit. Thank you for the opportunity to gather, to hear your word, to, to um, listen to you, uh, to be strengthened by the truth. Lord, we are grateful. I thank you for utterance to even teach your word this evening. Father, we ask that as we um, leave this meeting tonight, let your wisdom speak to our hearts. Let your wisdom teach us in the name of Jesus Christ. For we accept and we acknowledge that Christ has become for us the power and the wisdom of God. And we pray, therefore, that if there, there are any issues in our lives that may require the power of God or the wisdom of God or both the power and the wisdom of God, we pray for that release in the name of Jesus Christ. Let there be a manifestation or, and supply in response to our prayers and our needs in the name of Amen. Jesus. Thank you, Amen. Father. Thank in you, Lord. Praise and glory, for in Jesus' Amen. name we have prayed. Amen, in, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Okay, thank you very much, everyone. Um, God bless you. Do have a wonderful evening or the remaining part of your day. We'll meet again same time next week. And thanks to everyone who invited someone and just encouraging those who did not to please do so next week. You can start, invite, start inviting them from tonight or tomorrow 
and so they are prepared for next week. All right. God bless you all. Thank you, sir.